Welcome into the Hoopsville finale for the 2014-15 season. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We've recorded the entire show, so none of this is live. We hope you don't mind. But we recorded most of the show in Salem and most of the show, uh, parts of the show in Grand Rapids. Gordon Mann helping us with that, along with Adam Turr. But we recorded a lot of it, and so when we got off the road from Salem, we immediately entered the studio and recorded things here as well. And you can tell we borrowed some of our gear from the studio and haven't put it back up. That's just the kind of day it has been. It was an exhausting weekend, but certainly well worth it to celebrate two new champions in Division Three On the women's side, the undefeated Thomas Moore Saints and Sydney Moss, among her teammates, are champions. And did that in pretty impressive fashion, to say the least, beating George Fox in the first ever women's basketball undefeated game or I should say two undefeated teams in the women's basketball meeting for the championship. Of course, game played at Calvin College. Later in the show, we will hear from Sidney Moss and Coach Hans about Sidney Moss winning the Player of the Year honor for the second straight season. You'll also hear from Gordon Mann and Adam Turr breaking down the weekend in Grand Rapids. Of course, also hats off to Stevens Point. The Pointers used one heck of a defense and a great team to win their fourth national championship in Salem. Of course, they are 8-0 in the city, winning their fourth national title in four tries in the city of Salem. First in 04 and 05, and then, I should say 05 and 06, and then um, doing it again in 2010, and of course doing it this year in 2015. Pointers had an incredible defensive effort. And pretty much every single player on the floor for the pointers at some point in time shone or shined or however you want to say it. Forgive me, got a bit of a sinus cold and it's affecting the thinking a little bit. But they were impressive to say the least against Virginia Wesleyan playing some terrific basketball, withstood a couple runs and then slowly extended their lead. Seven points felt like 15, I'm sure, for the Marlins. And they could not cut it in to within any reasonable distance. And Stevens Point walked away with that game. Augustana and Babson, of course, was in the other game. And Augustana seemed to be in control, especially late in the first half, before Babson made an incredible run in the second half. And about a little after midway, kind of a third of the game left, took a lead on Augustana. I'll freely admit, I thought we were in for a dogfight the rest of the way. As Augustana looked a little lost, Babson certainly was confident. But Augustana finished on a 22-1 run to end the Beavers' season. Impressive, to say the least. And Augustana moved on to its third-ever national title game, having never won in those games. And, of course, Stevens Point kept it that way. Holding Augustana to 25 points below their average in offense, which they had also done in about that amount to Virginia Wesleyan, August, Augustana just could not find a solution against that Stevens Point defense. And Stevens Point's offense did everything it needed to do, including lighting it up from deep, hitting shot after shot, shot 66.7% from beyond the arc for the game, I think there were, what, five of six in the uh, second half alone. It was, to say the least, impressive. 
and hats off to them for that win. Of course, uh, Austin Riff was named most outstanding player of the tournament, but his teammates also were in that class of all tournament, along with <clears throat> Pelkoffer and Joe Ritchie. Alex Richard had an impressive weekend as well. Maybe undersung because he didn't put up a lot of points, but man, when he got the basketball and made a move, you couldn't stop him all weekend long. And so an impressive effort, to say the least, on their part. On the women's side, back to that, Sydney Moss continues to show why she's one of the best players in the country in maybe all divisions. And, of course, got her teammates involved as well. Sydney scoring a triple-double in the championship game. And, of course, if you had not heard, broke the all-division record for points in a tournament. I believe she finished well over 200, if memory serves. I could be wrong. The record was 177. Absolutely incredible, considering she had undergone a knee surgery for a torn ACL nearly exactly a year beforehand. You'll hear more about that recovery coming up on Gordon Mann's interview with her later in the show. But Sydney Moss, tip of the hat has won a national title. The bad news for everybody out there, she's only a junior, has one more year left. There's a great article in the New York Times about her leading into the weekend. Maybe focused a little bit too much on the Randy Moss angle. We all know that Sydney doesn't like talking about her father. A year and a half ago, we talked to her on the show about her father, and we asked the basic question, got the basic, got her answer, and then moved on. New York Times article did touch on other factors like why she left Division One, and that was the most fascinating part for me. We have heard her story, but they dove into it just a little bit more about why Division Three for her and why she didn't move on from Thomas More. Simply put, she's enjoying being a student, and you can't ask for much more, and you have to tip her hat to her as well for that. Congratulations to her and the Saints. You could probably pencil them into the Final Four next year, but we know strange things can happen. I think a lot of us probably thought Wisconsin-Whitewater on the men's side would be back in the Final Four, and they didn't get out of the first round. So don't make any assumptions whatsoever. Hats off to the All-Americans as well. Of course, the Players of the Year. It was Sidney Moss on the women's side, and Gerald Jerry Wixit, Gerald Wixit. From Dickinson on the men's side, two very worthy honorees. From a lot of people who were in contention, even on the women's side, there were people who had some terrific seasons. But on the men, much like the parody of the season, you had a bit of the parody in the talent. A lot of good talent to choose from. So hats off to the All-Americans in that category. Of course... Player of the year, or I should say the coach of the year for the women's was Jeff Hans from Thomas More. I think that's a no brainer when you go undefeated and win a national championship. Probably would have gone to Michael Meeks if they had won their championship. And on the men's side, it didn't matter who won because Bob Semling got that coach's honor ahead of time. 
We announced it on the Hoopsville Courtside pregame show. What I think is impressive about what they did was how much talent they lost last year and how a number of role players stepped up in the starting roles and never lost the concept of team. And so the men's side goes to Bob Semling for that. Rookie of the year in the women's was Alexandra Leslie of Rochester. And on the men's side, <clears throat> from Ohio Wesleyan, it was Nate Axelrod. A former Rookie of the Year for D3Hoops.com and Ben Ryan for Augustana was on the Final Four court. His junior year just proves that usually a Rookie of the Year certainly goes on to do good things. Again, impressive to say the least for everybody who got those awards. The women, of course, hosted at Calvin next year. They will go to the Final Four in Indianapolis on the women's side and be part of all three divisions playing championships there, kind of like the men did in the 75th anniversary a couple years ago when Amherst won the title. Then it will go back to Calvin for a year before then heading to Rochester, Minnesota. On the men's side, it will be Salem, Salem, and Salem. And no changes I see coming to that. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. We should probably move on to the best part of the show, and those are the interviews. But first, uh, Pat Coleman and I will recap the championship weekend in Salem. And then I will talk to Coach Bob Semling and Austin Riff, the most outstanding player for Whitewater. Pat and I will then discuss those All-Americans on the men's side. And then we'll head up to Gordon Mann to get a recap with him and Adam Turr of the Women's Championship, followed by a quick report from at, uh, from Gordon, I should say, talking to Sydney Moss and Jeff Hans before the games took place, talking about her Player of the Year honor. We will then bring it back here and put a bow on the season, talking about many things, including my thoughts on Salem, and my thoughts on the season, and what we have ahead of us next year. So with that in mind, you can follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Viewers like you in the city of Salem. When we come back, we're in Salem where Pat and I recap an exciting Final Four from the Civic Center when Hoopsville returns. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville in the city of Salem and, of course, the Salem Civic Center. I am Dave McHugh, now joined by Pat Coleman. If you want to interact with us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Before we talk specifically to those involved in the championship for Stevens Point, I wanted to get your thoughts on the game and really the weekend for this Pointer squad, which certainly was impressive, especially on the defensive side. <laughs> Absolutely. Just amazing. I mean, you know, first of all, in the championship game, uh, Augustana does shoot 48% from the floor, but uh, 3 for 10 from downtown, and really, he only got 44 shots off yeah. in 40 minutes. Uh, you know, there's 15 turnovers, but a bunch of times, too, where um, the pointers actually played really good defense, in my opinion, on the offensive end, because they worked the clock well, they were patient, um, and when the, you know, when the uh, pointers were up by double digits again late in the game. There was just no chance Augustana was going to get back into it because uh, the pointers were just very good at using 25, 30 seconds of the shot clock and finishing with a bucket, and it was just amazing. What's amazing, too, is they held Augustana to 25 points below their average yep. coming into the weekend. Yep. They did the same thing to Virginia Wesleyan. Yep. This followed the Emory holding them to 20 and a half, 53 for a game, holding East Texas Baptist to 8 and 28 yeah. for the game. This defense was suffocating. Yeah, it's just amazing. And, um, you know, that's what Bob Semling preaches, right? And that's the whole uh, Dick Bennett philosophy going back decades. Uh, he talked in the post-game news conference about how it's, it's a four-decade tradition yeah. of defensive basketball at uh, Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Some years they waver from it. Some years, you know, the offense is really the, the thing that drives the team. Not this year. It, it was really very impressive. I'd argue this probably goes up there one of the best in those four decades as a defensive unit. But on the offensive side, they're capable of being a really good offensive team. They just don't need to be. No, but they certainly were. Uh, 12 of 18 from three-point range. Uh, Seven of eight in the good. second half. And they missed one three-pointer the entire second half. Uh, the, the lead very quickly went from, uh, what was it at the half? It was um, nine, nine, and then it became 21. Yeah. Um, Augustana did cut it back to nine, but you know that was, that was all she wrote. If you can't get a defensive stop uh, and um, the pointers are hitting, are, are making three-pointers look like high-percentage shots, then it's really hard to They're get back They're making three-pointers look like layups <laughs> at yeah. one point in time. I wouldn't hit seven out of eight layups. I was impressed that Augustana made that run. They yeah. got to a big lineup. Uh, they, they had Ryan in there, though he was certainly not having the, the best game I expected him to have. Mm -hmm. They had uh, Moulton, was it? Yeah, or, um, uh, no, it was, it was, of course, uh, Motzel. Motzel, thank yep. you. They brought him in. Those two guys inside kind of changed the complexion a little bit because it forced Stevens Point to realize they had to deal with the inside. That allowed them to make that run to within nine points. And really, it was just like it was against Virginia Wesleyan. They hit a shot, and that was it. Augustana really Augustana just could not get the stop when they needed to get the stop. Yeah, and multiple opportunities to get the stop, too. And a couple of times where, you know, um, uh, Stevens Point didn't protect the ball all however many uh, second-half possessions or where there were a couple of opportunities for Augustana to reach in there, uh, take away the basketball, start a run. But it just, you, you can't. You know, you can't start a run, you can't get basket after basket without having some of those stops, and they just didn't have much of that. 
you know, Stevens Point starts the season, what, three and two. Then they go rip-roaring through the YAC. Um, Other only, than the Whitewater games. Only yeah. lo well, except the losing the Whitewater. Whitewater and the Whitewater, of course, only lost to them. And Coach Semling joked about losing the coin flip. Yeah. Um, then they did get tripped up by Oshkosh. Um, and, and from everything I've gathered, and we'll hear more from Coach and player later about it, that seemed to be a, a, the perfectly timed moment. Yeah. We talk about that with undefeated teams, that sometimes maybe taking a loss before the tournament starts isn't a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Not an idea, but a bad thing to happen. Right. It seemed like maybe that loss to Oshkosh was just the spark they needed to kind of reawaken themselves. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I'll talk about it on the show with you, but in the post-game news conference, the way he described it was basically like it was a come to Jesus moment. Not that you say that at a state school. No, not really. But that was the basic <laughs> idea. It's a it's a fork in the road, right? What are you going to turn this on and uh, kind of come back together and make a great run, be a great team, or is that the time where you pack it in? And clearly, you know, you we know how that ended. Oh four oh five, they got the greats of <laughs> Nick Bennett and Jason Kelso. Yep. Two thousand ten, they come in with a little bit more of a team. There isn't anybody who jumps out of you on that roster. But I think this is the best team we've seen from Stevens Point. And I would argue, at least in my 15 years, this might be the best team we've seen win a national championship. I'm looking up at the banners yeah, I know. now to kind of think about that. I mean, there were a lot of good teams who came in, but they had a star or two who shone. Even your Catholic Cardinals oh, sure. had Pat Maroney and, and, and other Maroney. Maloney. And Maloney. Wow. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> But they had different guys that were going to be the catalyst. Yeah. This is the first time you've looked at a roster and you see five guys who are the catalyst. And we saw it in the semifinals and we saw it in the championship. You saw a semifinal where one guy's hot, then another guy's hot, then another guy. And they just yeah. ride each guy until the next one heats up. And we saw it in the championship game as well. One minute's Riff, one minute's Richie, one minute it's Pellcoffer, yeah. one minute it's Richard inside, yeah, who, by really the way, is. did a tremendous job yeah. inside. He's underrated. Yep. Um, and then there's a guy off the bench, maybe well, in McGann. He is, he is an All-American, so yeah, he's he not is that a, No, 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 he's not. <laughs> but, you know, McGann, for example, yeah. steps up yeah. uh, coming That's off the bench. This was a real cohesive group. So I, I had a couple minutes now to scan through the banners. I think if I went through the last, uh, you know, the Salem era or the, the ones that we've been to since 1998, uh, I mean, obviously those, the Platteville teams in, uh, the, in 98, uh, led, by, led by Ben Hoffman, but again, a real cohesive crew. And then maybe the, the Tommies, St. Thomas in 2011. Yeah, Tyler Nikolai is a standout guy who was, you know, at least head above the rest, maybe not head and shoulders. They had a lot of guys who contribute, but you're right. This is absolutely five and really six guys who just all bought in. You know, it's like they were role players still playing the role, but, you know, when they needed somebody to step up, each of those guys, as you said, had the ability to step up for a minute here, a few minutes there, and spark this team. Who knows what coaching scouting reports look like, but I imagine <laughs> one of them says, who's the guy we focus on? And that's probably just left blank when you look at the Stevens point, or you fill out everybody on the roster. Yeah. This is a tough team to prepare for, and they certainly took advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, they sure did. I mean, to try to uh, prepare to play these guys on a short notice, I, I could certainly see where that would be difficult. Yeah, even on a long uh, process, it wasn't very helpful for some teams. East Texas Baptist proved the short turnaround. Yeah, that's true. On the meantime, of course, Emory, the interesting point there is Emory had probably the better team than they did last year uh, when they beat Stevens Point, who had a better team on paper than they did this year. I say on paper just in the sense that you had guys like Tillema who, who could put up a ton of points. But fascinating to watch the dynamics there and, mm -hmm. and another terrific championship. Well, and um, you know, Bob Semling talked about this, too, in the postgame. Uh, you know, how, what kind of 
good fortune it takes to win a title. Uh, you know, 2010, they win the national championship. Come right back out in 2011, have a very similar team, real great players. Uh, they go and play uh, St. Thomas at Augustana in the sectionals, and Tyler Nikolai hits that shot with like four tenths of a second left to, to beat them yeah. and uh, knock them out. You go back to last year, uh, Jake Davis, the kid for Emory, hits a buzzer beater or yep. it's a shot in the last 30 seconds at the end of regulation and then a uh, one with three seconds left in overtime to, to beat them and knock them out of the tournament there. It really takes a lot of things have to come together to win the title. Yeah, they certainly put it all together this year. That is for sure. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up this segment, City of Salem once again stepped up. Before we get to them, how about the fan support? Um, and the furthest teams away, some brought the biggest fans. I mean, Stevens Point was en masse here. Augustana brought tremendous support. Babson turned out very nicely. The yep. only ones who didn't necessarily were Virginia Wesleyan, who knows what the reasons necessarily are. But it's not like they didn't have a good fan support here. In the meantime, it just went compared to the other three. Right. They were a little bit smaller. But these are these are some outstanding crowds. I got a great picture from uh, our guy taking pictures here this weekend of what seems to be the entire Stevens Point contingent out on the floor after the game. Uh, the photographer's clearly up on the uh, Werner ladder, official ladders of the uh, NCAA <laughs> yes. championships, shooting down. Uh, and the team's in front, and the, uh, that, that sign, the 2015 national champions sign, the trophy, and then 200 people in gold and purple standing behind them. Just, uh, just an awesome sight, and they were, and they were loud. Yeah. And uh, you know, as good as the Augustana fans were here um, yeah. Friday in the semifinals, they didn't seem as loud. Didn't hear a lot of them out of them today. It was uh, those. And it pointer wasn't fans. the game. It was just that the Pointer fans were much loud. And by the way, Pointer fans never let the other opponents' fans get any moment to cheer for themselves. <laughs> Anytime they started a cheer, the Pointer fans were quick to counter that cheer, and they brought their own band. Good to see the John Carroll band back again as well. But back to the city of Salem. Hey, listen, every year they like to up the ante, and we uh -huh. saw the video boards come in last year. Um, we saw some of the, they took a huge step forward this Multiple year. Multiple steps forward, right? And, and Dave can speak to this better because he knows the, the terminology and that sort of stuff. But they do these, they did these, basically these hype videos right before game time, mm -hmm. the final couple minutes before the game on those two video boards. Um, you know, uh, dim the lights, spotlights for pregame introduction. Um, you know, just a fantastic yeah. show. Fancy lighting to make it seem bigger than fancy, it was. Fancy lighting. Um, they coordinated the PA announcer with those video boards to make it work even better. Yep. Um, really well done. And then, of course, the championship dinner was held on the court this year, which I'm telling you was, you could tell everyone appreciated that when you're sitting under the baskets, basically, <laughs> enjoying your meal. Um, but they've done other things. They hung pictures of all four yeah, teams right? in, their, in, their, in their walkway to their locker rooms. Uh, they dressed up the lobby more than they normally do anyway. Mm -hmm. um, they really do it well. And I asked Dan Dutcher on the, uh, the post-game show, does this make it harder and harder to ever take it away from Salem? And he nice. did the political job of, of saying, well, if someone else wants it and we think it's deserving, we can't say no necessarily. But I would argue Salem makes it harder and harder because they don't rest on their laurels. Yeah. They're always raising the bar. How is anybody going to come in and say, yeah, we, we, we can certainly do all of that in our first year? <laughs> and by the way, not only do it. But do it well. Do it correctly and well, and, and exactly. The, the best thing about that is all the stuff that they've done is they've really made it a fantastic experience for the student athletes. And it's not just in basketball. Right. It's in football. It's in softball, which they've hosted here uh, on yep. a regular basis. It's in lacrosse. And volleyball. Um, and, and they had a volleyball championship here, too. It's just it's amazing, amazing what they do. Um, and uh, the, the, uh, the student athletes understand it, but the guys who come here regularly or year after year, like, um, you know, like, 
Like oh. Bob Semling. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean coaches and no, administrators and, and fans, that sort of thing. The, the coaches get it. The coaches understand how important it is to have uh, a friendly face, someone who understands your needs, someone who's going to help you out here in a, well, a, a less unfamiliar town for some than yeah, it used sure, to be, yeah. but still a place where you may not know where the, you know, if you need the laundry done or something like that. There's, they'll take care of it. It's just a, it's just an amazing uh, experience, and I, I think, and I hope that even the, um, the, the student athletes on the teams that don't come away with the championship still come away with a positive experience and uh, recollections of their time in Salem, Virginia. Well, and they certainly talk about the community service and the Special Olympics, which is something that Salem started and is now mandated at all Division yep. Three championships. Mm -hmm. Set the it bar. is a Salem way, as you could argue. And by the way, I've been told, and the rumor is, I haven't looked it up yet, but the road to Salem may have been trademarked by the NCAA, uh -oh. as, but as a sign of respect. <laughs> Clearly, they because beat me to it. No. yeah, the, the the road to whatever city they're going yeah. to in D1, mm -hmm. the road to Omaha, Omaha. is yep, always exactly. synonymous with that. Well, to be honest with you, this is Division Three's road to it, yeah. in football and in basketball, certainly in other sports, but perennially, it's the road to Salem. Absolutely, and it, it would that would be great to see them use that. Um, you know, I feel like the NCAA even has upped its game. Not just the people here in Salem, but the NCAA organization has upped its game around Division Three in the last six or seven years. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to have a chance to talk to Bob Semling, head coach from the Stevens Points Pointers, and we'll also talk to most outstanding player, Austin Riff. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, in part by the City of Salem, and of course, viewers like you who are so kind to donate to our fundraising cause. We'll be back with more Hoops Hill right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville and the Salem Civic Center. I'm Dave McHugh, and I'm now joined by two-time national champion head coach Bob Semling. Of course, four rings technically on your hand as an assistant coach, but how sweet was this one? Boy, they're all special, but obviously this one is pretty meaningful after the disappointment of last yeah. year and uh, the fact that there were no expectations this year. In fact, a lot of people just didn't think there was any way we could do this without Tyler Tillema and Trevor Haas and Clayton Heyer. 
couple All-Americans and a 6'8 guy that was skilled. But just a little bit. You know, they were with us in heart, and we played a, we played for them um, and for each other. Um, but it's really humbling. I it's hard to put into words what this means for our program, for our community, for our university, our alum. Um, the guys come here. The expectations are really high. Yeah, undefeated. It's really tough on them. It's tough on their families because uh, high expectations are difficult. It requires enormous work and effort, and and the way we do it, it's, it's the hard way. It's not the easy way. It's not the most popular way. It's the hard way, and you've got to really lean on each other to get yourself through that. On Thursday night's championship dinner, I asked you if you were feeling any pressure. The fact it was undefeated, <laughs> you ducked the question well I did in duck front of that. your team. Thank you. And I really wouldn't have expected anything else Appreciate without the team. But is there pressure? I mean, you guys were six and zero coming in here. Now you're eight and zero. There's this expectation that when Point walks in the in the room, they're coming out with the with the trophy. We are so proud of our past, but we talked to our guys. Our opponent could care less about that. It's yeah. a new year, and you know. Illinois, or Illinois, Virginia Wesley. Yeah, the other Wesley um, that you see. <laughs> and Augustana, our opponents are not going to spot us 10 points because we've... Your name's Point. Yeah, because we've got some banners and we've won yeah. some games here. It's a, it's a completely different team, different players, different year. And what I appreciate is our guys understand that, that they, they embrace the history and the past and they, they know what's possible but they know, hey, we've got to earn it on the floor for 40 minutes between those lines against some very worthy opponents. 2004 and 2005, the duo of Nick Bennett and Jason Kelso were nearly unstoppable, though Williams certainly had a nice game plan in 04, and it was a last-second mm -hmm. shot by Kelso to win it. In 05, you steamrolled through York, and, of course, then in the second half, steamrolled through Rochester. 2010, you bring in more of a team. No mm -hmm. real names that jump out at anybody all these years later. And this year, though, you bring in what may be the best team that I've seen from many champions. And it's nothing against anybody else. But when you're starting five, no one stands out in scoring. And you don't go that deep off the bench. Everybody's got to be ready for their, their responsibilities. And you guys really stood out with that. I think it's well said. I appreciate you pointing that out, Dave. It's a great story. It is a tremendous story. And, it, and athletics has a way of presenting those stories when you take five guys who've been role players their yeah. whole careers and and they believe in themselves that they can rise up more was expected of them this year um, but yet they bought into the system they leaned on U UWSP basketball more than any group we've had here and they had to because we we didn't have that returning all-conference player that right. player of the year candidate but what we had is the strength of six guys, our, our four seniors, our two juniors, that were veteran players. And I, I know a lot of people thought, well, you lost so much last year, but we did return six guys that won back-to-back -back titles in the WIAC. So they, what they, their talent, their talent was they know how to win. They've learned how to win. When you look at this team, that you guys steamrolled through the conference, you only lost to Whitewater. You and I joked a couple weeks ago about losing on a coin flip. I've got some ideas for I'll share, I'll share with you, so that. it doesn't get to the coin flip yeah. next time. But and then you took a tough loss against Oshkosh, and you know, as an outsider, I'm looking at this St. Thomas game. I'm looking at the St. Olaf game. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at that game. I'm looking at some others, and you're like, okay, they're good, but they have these moments. Right. Did that game give you any concern? 
Well, it, it reminded me of sometimes um, how average we can be. And uh, I, I think it was disheartening. It was a horrible loss. It was, it was heartbreaking to lose the coin flip and then lose in the opening game of the Wyack tournament. And uh, we, we, took, we put on the board that night before they left. We said, this is either the beginning of the end, because you see it so often, you lose a game yeah. like that and you, your heads are down and you can't recover and, and you just play a game in the NCAA tournament, get beat and it's over. Or we said, this is the start of something special. And we put that on the board and we highlight it, we start it. And this was tough because we just got beat by Oshkosh on our home floor. Yeah. They're still all on the floor taking pictures and sure. celebrating and it was a big win for their program. Uh, but it truly was the start of something special. And it, it all started with our four seniors and especially with Austin Riff. It takes one guy that really believes that it can be special. It can be the start of something special. And he was that guy with a lot of help from Joe Ritchie and Alex Richard and, um, and, and also from Jordan Lutz, those other yeah, seniors. And, 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 and Stephen Pelkoffer transferred from <laughs> Northern Michigan. What a great transfer. <laughs> and there's another great story there, Dave. He had two shoulder surgeries, Oof. both labrums. Oh. A easy. week or two after the season, he had the right one done. Mm. Eight weeks later, had the left one done. He missed his whole spring, whole summer. Um, came back in the fall, still wasn't released to yeah. play until our inter-squad game. Mm. He finally comes back, and then Riff goes down with an injury. So we don't have anybody to push Austin Riff. And then Steven comes back, and now Austin Riff is out with a deep thigh bruise and an ankle injury. And now we have nobody to get Steven ready for, and that's why we started, we, we were 3-2 and two to yeah. start the season. Now, we play a pretty tough schedule. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think strength of schedule is probably usually in the top three or four. Sometimes we're one or two. Um, tough league, and, and we have such great opponents that really teach us how to be a better team. I know point's all about defense, and we've certainly seen some good defensive teams out of Steven's point. This team was on a whole nother level. 55 points a game entering this weekend. You held Augustana to 54. You held Virginia Wesleyan, I wanted to say, what, 58? Um, well below their averages, especially Augustana. That was 25 points below their average. You guys have an incredible team mentality on that. But did you even think that you guys could play the – I mean, let's go back to the Emory game. You only allowed 20 points in the first half, 53 for the game. You only allowed eight points to Texas, uh, East Texas Baptist in the first half, 28 for the game, which is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You don't score a lot because you don't have to in that scenario. Then you hold these two teams here in the 50s. Did you expect the defense to be that stout this year? I thought we needed to be a great team defensively to have success. Dave, there's no way I could have imagined this. <laughs> there's no way I could have imagined that we would buy into this level. But now, you can't do that for five months. Yeah. It, it yeah. just kept building. And our philosophy of having no weak links out there, you know, defending every screen, keeping guys in front, being in every gap, and, and being resilient for, throughout that shot clock against good opponents, but the mental toughness, the physical toughness that these guys have demonstrated down the stretch, 
Albeit now, you know, can you do that for the entire season? No. But can you do it for a run for six weeks or six games? Um, certainly you can. And, and we got stronger as we could see the finish line and our guys really dug in deep and they emptied everything they had on the floor on the defensive end. And uh, I, I can't say enough of how good we got defensively and how we wore people out. Quickly with these games in defense, you took Virginia Wesson, who came out of the gates hot, kind of put you guys, it seemed, back on your heels just a little bit. Maybe the moment was part of that, too. Um, they made a couple runs at you throughout the game and tried to bend into your defense. You guys just kept extending. Augustana certainly made some runs at you. Made a quite an impressive run in that second half, mm -hmm. cutting it to what I think it was nine points. And at that point, I was starting to get a little worried that maybe you guys, the first time, were, weren't, weren't going to just bend. You might break. You guys had that football mentality, though. We can bend and then come back. Bend and come back. But we're never going to break down. Yeah, I'd agree. I think with, uh, with, with a standout <clears throat> defensive player like Austin Rift to inspire us down the floor, possession after possession, he's really a silent leader. He leads by example. He doesn't say a lot. Um, out of the four seniors, he says the least. But he just leads by example, and he inspires us with his effort. Uh, he's got tremendous stamina, uh, and he's, he's physically tough. I mean, he takes a pounding and can handle being screened. Those ball screens are brutal. I mean, he's banged up and bruised, but he just keeps fighting and battling through them. Just a really tough kid. Looking at those banners, Platteville has four championships. Platt, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater won its fourth last year. Now you guys have your fourth. All three of you won behind North Park. Probably important to make sure you stayed up with Whitewater and Platteville here this weekend. Well, at least for bragging rights. Did you ask me that question too at the banquet? I did I, did I dodge that, that, one. that one? That was part of the dodge. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I, again, um, it, it just is really humbling because we know how good those programs yeah. are. Um, but they're. We don't talk about the great Eau Claire teams and Ken Anderson and the run they had at That's the true. NAI level. In fact, Whitewater and Platteville decided to go the NCAA route because Eau Claire was so Eau Claire. tough. And then we all came to Division Three. And uh, but Eau Claire but, probably wishes you going back to the NAI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, <coughs> Bo Ryan deserves a ton of credit because he. He elevated this league, and he made everybody better. And I think, obviously, Dick Bennett and what he did uh, in the 80s, and and they were NAI too back in those days. And sometimes I feel bad that Dick never had one of these moments. They were any they were runner-up in I believe 85 at the NAI Sounds tournament. Right, yeah. And um, so, but but all of those great coaches and all of those great teams and programs have really paved the way for the WIAC and for for a lot of great coaches to want to spend their career in this league and and then also a lot of good players who want to stay in the state and play in the WIAC when the culture says take a partial scholarship you know go sure. leave the state and sure. go play for a little bit of money and um, that's that AAU mentality so again I, I'm just so pleased that we have a lot of kids that they, they have faith in our program and our fans and and game days are pretty special at Stevens Point. When are you gonna when are you gonna I'm, I'm, get to it's the on my bucket list. It is on Bennett my bucket Court. list. We need to get you there. Well, speaking of Bennett Court, 
I joked with you on Thursday that you know the, the court's named after two coaches who coached nine years. Good. And, and of course, we, Jack won two we national got, championships with you being the assistant, so maybe it was you. But you were in your 10th year. You didn't get the nine-year memo. Right. Uh, you joked that your name's going to go on a bathroom somewhere. That's I'm a, thinking with a second a, banner. I don't know. That's an inside joke between oh, know, my assistant and my, uh, myself. And, and it, but, you know, one thing that, that Dick gave us is those five, um, I, I, I call them, I mean, whether you want to call them pillars or whether sure. you want to call them... Uh, tenants or something. Yeah, tenants, but but one of them is humility. And and believe me, trust me, we've got the right name on the gym, Quant Gym, and we've got the right names on the floor. And I'm just so happy that, that I can, uh, I, I feel like the caretaker. I, really, I feel like the guy who has been handed this program, and it means a lot to me to be able to, continue the tradition, the history, and, and especially for our community. I mean, it means so much to give back to them. They have been the constant through many coaches, many good players, many great teams, but the constant is the Stevens Point community and how they back and rally behind Pointer Basketball and fill that gym up. Uh, we outdraw sometimes 75 to 100 Division One programs on an annual basis. Incredible. That's with no marketing program. Right. And uh, our season ticket holders are over 500, and it, it's not cheap. It's not. It's not like it's, we undercut Division One prices. And but our community, there's been a love affair with Pointer basketball, um, and it's just such a privilege, such an honor for me to to be entrusted to this program for these years and. It's going to mean a lot to me after I leave that it continues because sure. the fans of Stevens Point deserve it. Before I let you go, you made a comment earlier to me about the, the, the committee's work and this NCAA tournament this year. I figured I'd give you a chance to say that on maybe a platform that you will definitely be seen. Well, it, uh, so many people have asked the right questions and been persistent and, uh, and have been really good about it, you know, accepting, well, I don't know about accepting the answers, but trying to understand it, trying to make sense of it, trying to communicate, get everybody on the same page, be transparent. Um, I just think it's so good for Division Three basketball right now, what we have. The championship committee, the communication they have with our D3 Hoops and Hoopsville, our media, who really follow us and care deeply. I mean, we know where your heart is, Dave, and Pat's, and um, it means so much to the young men that play at this level. There's so many great stories that don't get told. And, but to make this thing, the parity is so good right now. There's so many great leagues. And to, um, to have this field um, spread out, to have it more seated is really huge. I think it's a big step and it gives it great credibility. Um, and so, I, I mean, I can't thank enough the championship committee and Jeff Burns and the relationship I know you have with him and, and the communication is at an all-time high right now. When are you stepping on a committee Ooh, to keep it going? I don't know if I can handle that. I, I admire the guys that do that, Dave. I mean, to coach their team, I mean, uh, Kevin from Calvin, 
uh, Brian from Buena Vista, uh, yeah. Buena Vista and, and those are good teams and good programs with high expectations, and, yeah. and yet they're doing all that work. Uh, Alan Soretti at Dickinson's oh, on the Mid-Atlantic Committee. Yeah. I mean, and there's been guys who got off it who were head coaches. Mike DeWitt. Mike DeWitt. Guys who... Charlie Brock, oh, Dave goodness. Martin. I, I mean, that's amazing stuff, and I... I I'm not that organized. I don't know if I could, you know, they'd probably kick me off because I'd miss calls. <laughs> well, you don't need to be missing calls. No, that won't work. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you guys got to hit the road and hit the air to get back home and start celebrating this the proper way. As you know, I always give my guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share well, with those Well, just the watching? fact that, you know, it was five years ago when we won this thing, and and now it's uh, it's five years later, and and I, I've gained about 10 or yeah, 15 no, pounds. I know the feeling. I, I'm going to try to lose five or 10 between the next one. Yeah, well, I'm so, going to try to no, do the same on a serious well. note, on a serious note, um, it, it is so humbling to play in the last game mm -hmm. of the season at the Division Three level and to do it in this city of Salem and how great, how hospitable, and how... Heartwarming the people are here. They care so deeply about the kids and this experience and the fans and their families. Um, so obviously it's, there's, it's very humbling and um, to be the team that, that is left standing because we know how good the field was. Yeah. And I have great respect for all the coaches. Uh, I've gotten to know Dave uh, from Virginia Wesleyan, Dave Macedo, uh, class act, good coach. and. And I know how good Gray is. Gray and I have competed against each other, and Augustana is a great program. And they'll probably be back here next year. There's a good chance. Um, but uh, Steve Brennan and Babson, what a year they had. And it, it is very humbling, Dave, to be standing here with you on the last day. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. I certainly appreciate it, especially talking to me since I thought you'd be down this year. You know? Hey, hey, you you helped us a little bit because oh, honestly, I'm sure I did. no, Dave. Honestly, I mean, we had to earn that ranking, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and we talked to our guys about that. Um, that's another story. But I honestly, I, I mean, you know what I appreciate is that you are so transparent and you blog about why. And I mean, that's amazing stuff. And um, can we get all 25 guys to do that? I don't see that. Probably happening. not going to happen. No, I, I guess I just don't see. Hey, it thanks happening. for what you guys do, right? Enjoy some time off. I'm going to try. Go hit, the, yeah. go have a spring break. Yeah, I'm going to try. He's right. Bob Semling. We'll be back with more hoops. I'll talk to Austin Riff coming up next here from the Salem Civic Center. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division III allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. 
and to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville here at the Salem Civic Center. I am now joined by Austin Riff, most outstanding player for the 2015 tournament, but more importantly, national champs. Uh, I know you guys have been working towards this for a while, but after last year, did you actually think this could be an opportunity you guys had for this season? I mean, every team going into the season dreams of this, yeah. dreams of this big stage and winning a national championship. I mean, that's what, that was our end goal. And we weren't really sure what this season was going to bring out because we lost three very good seniors. But we just kind of bonded. We came together as a team and really committed to our defense, committed to our system, which is the Stevens Point's defense. Yeah. And we're just, overall, we're just a really good team, and that's what makes us so tough to beat. It's scary. Committed to defense resulted <laughs> in what we saw this season, 55-point average. He held Augustana below that average by a point and well below their season average in terms of scoring by 25 points. What was the click? What was the switch you guys had that made this defense probably the best that Stevens Point's ever seen? Yeah, I mean, after each loss we've had this season, we've always talked about just recommitting to defense because that's what wins games is defense. And, I mean, we, work, we put in a lot of hours on our defensive system, and in the end that's what really – got us over the top. I mean, we, we trust each other on defense. We know where each other is going to be every single play. And we just get, a lot of teams get inspired by offense, but we get really inspired by defense plays. I mean, just the little things like deflections. And I mean, we, we chart all that on, on the bench. We chart deflections and timeouts will ask. We have our managers charting deflections. We'll ask how many deflections we have. And <laughs> we have goals. And I mean, it, it's just awesome that in the end it all paid off. They don't inflate your stats by any chance, do they? No, just they make don't. You feel Unfo better? Unfortunately not. No, I bet <laughs> Coach Selling wouldn't allow that. Um, what was amazing, too, was that you guys have an offense that's actually kind of dangerous, but you don't need it to be. You guys can turn it on like we saw in Virginia Wesson, and you can turn it off yep. um, when you don't need it. But let's go back to that Virginia Wesson game. The first five, six minutes of that game, you guys seemed a little bit struggled a little bit, I should say, against that Virginia Wesleyan defense. Was it not what you expected to see? Uh, no, we came in knowing, knowing what it was going to be like, but, I mean, we were just getting used to the core, getting used yeah. to the big stage. I mean, once we once we settled down, we really got our confidence back and played, did the things that we've been doing all year. You guys almost seemed to step up the pace just a little bit, though, as at the same time. And one coach I was talking or several coaches I was talking to on the sidelines watching the game said someone ought to keep a camera on you in particular because you are all over the offensive end. You're constantly moving. And there was a great example late in the game today against um, Augustana. You drove the lane. You, for some reason, decided not to go for the layup. You dumped it off to your teammate. He then kicks it out. But you, in the meantime, have run to the three-point line, kick it out to you. You bury the three-pointer. It was all one continuous motion for you. Yeah, I mean, we, we practice that every day. We don't practice much offense, but <laughs> when we do, I mean, we, we always talk about cutting through and then spacing, because we always need space. And we, we're just a great team. We're so unselfish. We create for each other as much as we can. I mean, it's unbelievable how unselfish our team is, and that's what makes us really dangerous. How hard is it in your offense to understand where you need to be or should be when everybody's kind of got a different moving part? I kind of compared it to the old 
Chicago Bulls triangle. You're not yeah. playing the triangle, but it had to do with you're wondering what three other guys, four other guys are doing before you make your decision on what you're doing, and you could still end up having to change your mind. How hard is that to conceptualize? How hard is that to execute? Yeah, I mean, it, again, the practice, we practice it all the time. We, we go five on all in at home and practice and it's like it's really hard to read each other when there's no defense because we, we, we got to figure out what we're doing and I think that's what really helps us out because we all we all know where we're going no matter when <laughs> sorry I can't talk no no, no it's all right teammates but, uh, <laughs> walking by but uh yeah I mean we just read each other really well we've been playing with each other for four years and I yeah. think what people don't understand is last couple of years we've been role players so this yeah. was, this was the year that we needed to kind of like step up and be the player that we can be and I mean a lot of people thought it was gonna be a down year but we knew coming in that hey we, they haven't seen what we actually can do as players and we really stepped up you have five starters all in double figures no one more than 12 and a half points it kind of means you, you, you take some awards in the conference, obviously, but no one stands out. There isn't one individual stands out, which I'm sure makes the MOP for you a little bit strange, but it's protocol. Someone's got to get picked. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, against Virginia Wesleyan and even against Augustana, one guy would be shining for a couple minutes, then another guy would be shining for a couple more, then another guy steps up. You guys are constantly looking for the next option. Yeah. That's what... Yeah, that's what makes us dangerous. We we always wonder how people or what people put on their scouting report for us because, I mean, we all average around 11, 12 points, and when someone's struggling a little bit, someone else steps up, and that's what makes us so dangerous. And the unselfishness of our team. I mean, we really take pride in our assists, and we just try to make plays for each other all the time. And I, I'm just so happy right now that yeah. we, we are such a good team, and we play together so well, and we came out on top. Uh, quickly, one more thing before I get to some of the bigger picture. Uh, you had a fascinating moment against Virginia Wesleyan. The end of the first half, you were on fire. You had a bunch of big shots. Start of the second half, you took three, two threes. They hit back iron and came out hard. And then you shut it down. You didn't take another shot, I swear, for another 10, 12 minutes. Was that purposeful? Was that in your mind that, okay, wait, I might be off here. Let me go find some other guys. Did someone tell you to do it? What, what was the circumstance there? It was, it's very unique in this game. Um, I think it just goes back to how we have four other guys that average around 11, 12 points. So, I mean, those shots all felt good. They just missed, yeah. missed long a little bit, but I was struggling a little bit, so I wanted to get the other teammates going, give them a chance, because they can all step up. That's what makes us so unique. Anyone can step up at any, any point in the game yeah. and hit big shots. And I think Stephen Pelkoff really stepped up in that game. And Alex Richard inside, I mean, he's an undersized big, and people really don't – people overlook him, yeah, I think. And I agree with you. He finishes it very well in there, and it's – he's got good feet. He knows how to use his body as well. And he's got some a lot great of shots. Yeah. He's got a plethora of shots to have, work for inside. Yeah, we always make fun of him because all he shoots is layups, but <laughs> it works for him, so it's awesome. Hey, the rest of you can shoot the threes. Yeah. Let somebody take the inside <laughs> stuff. Um, big picture. So Whitewater wins their fourth championship last year. Tying them with Platteville, leaving you guys one win behind. Is that something that's even discussed? That you got to stay up with the big boys, and not that you aren't a big boy, but if you're going to be a big boy, you got to win a fourth too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we always want to stay on top with Whitewater, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a great rivalry with them. But we got we got a lot of respect for them. Yeah. They're a great program. Got a lot of respect for their guys. I mean, they're just a great team. And well, yeah, we did want to kind of match kind of match them up a little bit. What, when you get the other thing too is you guys come in here six and zero. Oh. 
You win last night, you're now 7-0 and as a program. Is that even the back of your guys' heads that you want to keep that streak alive? Um, Coach won't like, like me saying this, but... Well, it's I the end mean, of the season, you're graduating. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it puts a little more pressure on us because we, we did want to leave our mark, leave, leave our legacy on this in this Civic Center and on the Pointer tradition. I mean, it's just awesome that we can come in here and Pointers have gone 8-0 at the Civic Center and Coach Sam has been part of, I think, two... Two of those. Two well, of, he was assistant coach for the other two. Yep. He's been, yeah, been part of those national championships. I mean, it's just a great feeling. I, I love Coach Semlin. He's, he's believed in us all season, and he, he knew we could do this, and he's been so hard on us, and we've all embraced it, and that's what has really makes us a good team. A great moment back to the Whitewater rivalry. You had a great moment with Cordell Young at the end of this game, or really late or on as you were taking pictures with the trophy, and Cordell hung around and hung around, and then came over and got a picture with you guys. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, Cordell Young gets introduced at halftime. I know you were in the locker room as one of the All-Stars. And the entire Stevens Point fan base came to their feet. Yeah. That's a sure sign of respect. But that's also a sign that it doesn't matter how tough that rivalry is. You guys respect what each other are doing on the court. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, Cordell's, he's a great player, but he's hes even a better person. I mean, I've, we've guarded each other for four years now. Yeah. And, Ever since we were, since I was a freshman, I had to go up. I mean, it's a tough challenge. He's a he's a great player. I, I have a lot of respect for him, and I just love how like every year we play Whitewater and we we draw crazy attendance, and we we have. I mean, when we're playing them, we're not really friends, but yeah, sure, no, no, yeah, not like between a, the lines. Yeah, not between the lines, but outside the lines, I mean, we we wish for the best for each other, and I think that's Cordell Young really showed that tonight. And, that you talk lot. about the legacy of the program and what you guys think of. Of course, 04 and 05, it was Kelso and Bennett who certainly helped Pointers steamroll their way to mm -hmm. two national championships, especially in that second year. In 2010, there isn't a guy you can name necessarily because it was much more like you guys, a team. Mm -hmm. What do you think the legacy of this team is, especially for those players who may be thinking about coming to Point or growing up watching Point? Yeah, I mean, we don't really know how Coach Sam is going to refer to us now because, I mean, <laughs> In practices early on in the year, he always points up to the. We have banners oh. of, of the teams in our in our gym, and he points up to them and calls out some of the names. So, I mean, we're just excited to have our picture up there, and not really sure what he's going to say about us, but hopefully, it's some good things. You're gonna have to set up a camera so you can pay attention to practices yep. in the future. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sure this feels really good right now. Feels amazing. There's no better feeling. Always dreamed of this, and finally came true. Especially after a tough loss in the conference semis. Yeah, I mean, that is really what sparked us. I mean, just like I said earlier, after each loss, we've just recommitted ourselves to our defensive system, and that's what put us over the top. We always give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to say to those who may be watching? I just want to thank the corner community for watching and thank all the people back home that have supported me. I want to thank my family. My, fam my mom and dad have not missed a single game this whole year, even on the road, and wow. just really appreciate that. And I just want to thank my fellow teammates. I love them all, coaches, trainers, everyone. Sound like a coach there for a minute, fellow players. So that, that's, you slid into coach mode there for a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, congratulations yet again. Uh, your parents certainly love the fact that they could stay at home for the first two weekends <laughs> before spending the money to come down here. But congratulations on the national championship. Congratulations on the most outstanding player as well. Uh, good luck in your future. By the way, we should ask, what are you planning to do? Are you thinking about playing or you got plans? <laughs> I'm planning on uh, going to physical therapy school. Okay. I got another semester left in Stevens Point next year. so. I kind of lived the dream a little bit 
just going to school as a student instead of a student athlete now. See what that's like. Nice. Get a little more time. Well, good luck. Thank you. Austin Riff from the national champs, Stevens Point. Pointers, we'll have plenty more coverage as we wrap up the 2014-15 season on the Hoopsville finale. Coming up next. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. Welcome back to Hoopsville here at the Salem Civic Center. Coming up, we're going to get a report from Gordon Mann on the women's basketball tournament. But first, Pat Coleman joins me to talk about the All-Americans, and primarily the men's side, as well as we announced here at the Salem Civic Center. And the one thing I, I noticed was that there was a lot of parity this year in basketball. We all knew that, and of course, some of us voters painfully were aware of the parity in the top <laughs> 25. But I think that translated into the All-American list as well, because you know, one, you had a lot of good players to pick from, a lot of conference uh, um, honorees in the sense of player of the years. Um, but even in the first team, which we'll talk to about in some detail, the first team had a, a great list of players, which made it difficult to choose the big honors. Yeah, it was interesting. I Over the course of the last week or so, we're going to really dive into this. First of all, you know, we need to know what the results of the All-Region team are before we can really finally finalize what the All-American team looks like. Although, you know, you kind of come into it with a, a little bit of idea. So I was thinking about it over the course of the last couple of weeks and then really, you know, talking with some coaches and some of our contributors over the course of the week. is like, you know, five guys who was pretty much consensus, those should be the first team All-Americans. Um, you know, we always try to have an actual team that can take the floor. So you got guards, uh, you got backcourt players and frontcourt players. So uh, Aaron Walton-Moss of Cabrini, uh, you know, Jordan Brink of Calvin, um, you know, from uh, Babson, Joey Flannery, uh, Jerry Wickstead from Dickinson, and, and uh, Cordell Cor Young Cordell. from Wisconsin Whitewater. Those are the five. Uh, but then, you know, you get to that list and it's like, hmm. which one of these guys is the player of the year? Because the player of the year has to be on the first team. Yeah, it's kind Gotta, of a little awkward if it's not. <laughs> yeah, then we haven't done our job correctly. Um, <clears throat> so it's one of those five guys. It's like, you know, because often the person who ends up being the player of the year is someone who has had a great season and then also on top of that you know gets their team to Salem or deep into the tournament uh, maybe it's also somebody who has a fantastic semifinal and you know uh, you know none of those guys were here right uh, none of those nope. uh, teams advanced uh, out of that second weekend 
Um, so except that kind for of, Joey Flannery. Uh, right, except for Joey Flannery, who led his team here uh, as a sophomore. The and other four were actually here, just in an all-star <laughs> in game a different capacity. capacity yeah. <laughs> and and being a sophomore is not uh, does not eliminate him from uh, from Player of the Year uh, possibilities or, and yeah. contention or whatever. Uh, and if he had had a fantastic game and his team had won, or if he hadn't ended the game with a technical foul, maybe those sorts of things uh, kind of combined to contribute to eliminate him. But it's so hard to eliminate any of those five guys. It was just, uh, you know, real difficult. It was more about not eliminating him and just finally picking one. Right. Um, well, and sometimes in, you know, getting to five is like, can I eliminate any right. of these guys? And it was really, yeah, yeah exactly. So ultimately it ended up being Jerry Wicks did. But let me go back to the other guys. I mean, yeah. you got a, you got a, a Q, as they affectionately call him, at Whitewater who just had a tremendous season to back up what he had done last year, yeah. really what he had done all his career. Mm -hmm. um, they unfortunately were unceremoniously punted from the <laughs> tournament, but defiance, but it wasn't because of him. Do we need to have a ceremony? We should have a ceremony <laughs> when the defending champ gets knocked out. out. Yeah. Uh, defiance Shouldn't just be unceremonious. Played, defiance just played the, the game of a lifetime. Um, well and, of course, their uh, senior who was here at the All-Star game, we asked yeah. if he was having some fun Bernard with Q Edwards, about right? there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've got um, Jordan Brink. I mean, come on. 3-0 against Hope this season, including the, the uh, game winner in the con conference championship game, which yep. really is the reason Calvin got in the tournament in the first mm -hmm. place. Uh, Joey Flannery, uh, incredible talent yep. as a sophomore, um, and certainly he's going to be on that list for, you know, barring injury or anything for a long time to come in the next two years, but that team's going to stay good because of him. Yep. Um, you then did have, uh, before I get to Jerry, uh, Walton Moss, Walton Moss. Yep. and they had a tough year. Didn't yep. make the NCAA tournament. Had a lot of potential, though, with a coaching change. <clears throat> I don't think the coaching change was much of it as they had 10 freshmen. Yep. And Aaron is a really good player. And when you can distribute nearly a triple-double in counting assists, yep. you are doing everything right. Mm -hmm. Problem was, was it because he was getting all those points and rebounds because the other guys just weren't capable at this time in their careers of being able to do that with him? Or was he pressing because he wanted to make this a special season for himself? We don't really know those know. answers. All I know is that he played a ton, a ton of minutes. Yeah, he did. A lot of minutes in, in games that maybe they didn't need him to play minutes, you know. No, but he's got it's, this heart and he's got this pride. Yep. And so yeah. a lot of that was there. And then you have Jerry Wixted, who, let's be honest, I didn't think Dickinson was going to be as good as they were last year. Yeah, this year. Uh, I, uh, or this last year, year actually. Well, we didn't think they were going to be good last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, they thought they were going to be good, good, but as good. Yeah. But, you know, they avenged the, the championship loss to Hopkins with a championship win of their own at yeah. Hopkins. Mm -hmm. They go deep in the tournament to the round of 16. Mm -hmm. Jerry Wicks, it's the reason they beat Albertus Magnus. He helps. He's not the guy who put the layup in at the buzzer, but he's the guy. Actually, he's the guy who's going back on defense. Just in case Albertus Magnus is get, gets that ball and comes back down the court. That's his court awareness yeah. of what's going on. You can't tell me a coach who prepared for him in the NCAA tournament who wasn't fearful of him inside, outside, handling the ball, or yeah. doing anything else. By the way, great moment in the All-Star game. Him and Lujudai lining up for the opening tip and having a little laugh with each other. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> they didn't actually play against each other in their, in the, in their game. They in the didn't guard 32, each other. Right, yeah. um, because that's not the Dickinson mentality. But he's so humble. And he was a terrific talent. And I thought it was a pretty good selection. Uh, Coach Alan Soretti came up and said, thank you. I'm like, thank me. He's the guy who played. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. he's, you're the one who put him in the game. And this <laughs> is about you guys, not, a, not about us picking him. He, he deserved it. Honestly, all of them had an argument for it. But I thought Jerry Wixley was a 
terrific choice. Yeah, I think they'll go the the, uh, the Cordell Young file. You know, oh. obviously he uh, he wins the game here last year with uh, nine tenths of a second to go. That's not that's not part of this year's conversation. But what he did this year, you know, he had that stretch uh, from I guess about maybe mid January to early in February where they needed a bunch of late shots to to win games, and it was always Cordell Young. He was there, uh, you know, hitting shot after shot. I think there were three games like that. Something like that. And yeah. he was just. Just fantastic. Um, you know, WIAC Player of the Year, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think the WIAC's a pretty decent league. Yeah, slightly. I've, I've heard well, some things. There's some banners about championships here. recently. Yeah, the banners total. that suggest there might be okay. Yeah. Um, and that certainly, uh, you know, weighs in a guy's favor. But, um, you know, it just like it felt like the, uh, you know, Player of the Year doesn't have to be someone who, like I said, who goes and takes his team deep into, into the tournament. But that certainly helped. And, and Wickstead was a guy who, as Dave uh, said, coaches would lose sleep preparing to face him. Yeah, and again, it's not because he's this brash and incredibly, you know, in-your-face type player. It's because he's just that good and that talented. Talk yeah, to him. I mean, you talk to him at halftime. Yeah, talk yeah. to him at halftime, and believe it or not, he's not going to go play pro, and I think he's got the game that would succeed in Europe. Absolutely. He's got a European style to him where he can play inside, outside, bring the ball up, et cetera, and a good yeah. defender. Right, lanky guy who can go outside. That's yep. my understanding that's what absolutely Europa is. and and of course in the all-star game he hit three after three after three if Lujudai <laughs> isn't having as great a game as he has and the and and Wixit's team wins Wixit's probably your most outstanding player um, and he's got great quarter winners he hit Brink on a cross-court pass that nobody knew Brink was open except for Wixit yeah. um, on the flip side of that um, he he's not gonna go play pro, pro. Yeah. he is gonna go to Woodbury Forest private school in in uh, outside Lynchburg um, and where he's going to be able to coach and he's going to be able to teach where he says his passion is. He wants to teach. Um, and I think Alan Soretti may have made a comment to me. He said when we recruited him, we weren't sure if he was going to play for us or the intramurals. Because yeah. he just, he's that kind of laid back guy that you just never know what his decision is. So congratulations to him. Of course, uh, Coach of the Year we announced beforehand, which is probably a rarity. I don't remember the last time we announced Coach yeah, of the Year. Actually, true. before I get to that, I did <laughs> want to point out the only one guy I can think of that was gotten most outstanding player without going very deep would have been Ben Strong. Yeah. in the year they lost to St. Mary's in the opening round. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, Bob Semling, what can you say for this team? I mean, they lose the likes of, of Tillema and, and others off of a squad that was phenomenal last year. Yeah. And the role players step up. It is under the guidance of Bob Semling. It didn't matter if they won or lost today. They were here after starting the season 3-2. and two. They figured it out after that, and they got better and better and better as the season moved on. Yeah, I mean, Tillema and Trevor Haas and all that, those were the guys that we talked about for the pointers last year, and they were all seniors. Um, you know, he took these guys who, uh, you know, identify as role players, right? I mean, they, they kind of relish it uh, and turned them into uh, the, these, this core of six guys who play almost all the minutes and, uh, you know, got them, you know, here to the national championship game, and that's when we named him Coach of the Year, just based on that. And then he made us look really good by winning the yeah, national championship. Yeah, that was championship. helpful. That's that, was, that was helpful. Makes us look good. I don't want anybody to take offense, because I think some people do. When I played soccer, uh, I certainly was a bench guy. We, we called ourselves the scrubs. We personally called ourselves the scrubs. Mm -hmm. um, and we took pride when it was a scrimmage in practice, because the scrubs are going to make the starters work. And this would be, in my comparison, that those scrubs got the chance to start and shined and took full advantage of it and not because they wanted to show off as individuals they wanted to show off as a group mm -hmm. those guys said look what we can do because you haven't seen us before we're yep. better than you think we are and mm -hmm. it's and and then wrap their minds around the fact that bob semling preaches defense as every pointer uh coach has done yeah. and they said yeah well, we can do it better 
Yeah. That was amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Semling said after the semifinal game that this is the kind of game, the kind of team he really likes to coach. You know, there are years where over the course of those four decades where defense has been this, this type of defense has been the focus uh, at Stevens Point. Uh, there have been some years where, you know, they've wavered defensively and, uh, you know, offense kind of takes over and that sort of thing, but they always come back to this. And, and Semling really likes this. It's, uh, uh, you know, something that really gets, uh, gets him going as a coach. And, you know, you can see it. He talked about it. I don't know how he talks about it on the show here, but in the post-game news conference, I swear every third word out of his mouth was defense. And this is a guy whose team shot. I got 12, to talk about other things. He shot 12 of 18 from three-point range and seven of eight in the second half. Defense, 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 defense. I got to t- get him to talk about a few other things. Um, also, should point out Axelrod from Ohio Wesleyan Rookie of the Year. Congratulations yep. mm-hmm. to him. There was a guy playing in the championship as a junior here tonight who used to be a Rookie of the Year as well, Ryan for Augustana. Ryan, yep. So congratulations to uh, Ohio Wesleyan there. I'll, quickly, before I let you go, I do want to jump on the women's side. Just quickly talk about Sydney Moss. We don't know the results as he and I are taping this of the women's championship game. We'll certainly know those results as we conclude the show. But she's named player of the year before that game starts and nothing against anybody else on the women's side. That's almost a slam dunk decision. Yeah, I mean you could have named her player of the year once you knew that uh, she got a few games under her belt. You could tell her knee was good enough. Yeah. You know, I, I understand her knee uh, after the uh, injury in the Elite Eight like, game last year. Her knee is still not 100%. But it usually uh, takes a year. <clears throat> yeah, but she's uh, but she's clearly, uh, you know, I don't know if it's 85% or 90% of Sydney Moss is still the best player in Division Three basketball. Head and shoulders. It, it's really kind of no discussion. Um, and so. Well, I'm not going to discuss. And she also moved from four to three. She yeah. moved from a, a forward yep. position to a wing position. She gets her teammates involved. We talked mm-hmm. about that with Aaron Walton Moss, but she's got some good teammates. And we've talked about the fact that it's not just the Sydney Moss show there. Yeah. They are a good unit in general. Um, but she she leads the team in assists. Mm-hmm. She certainly leads them in points. By the way, she broke Cheryl Miller's all-tournament record. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl Miller was With 177 points. And, yeah, had a game <laughs> left to go. Yep. We'll find. We'll recap how many points that was at the end of the show. Um, tre- tremendous talent. And quickly, people talk about, well, she was a Division One player, came down to Division Three. I talked to Dan Dutcher about that in the post-game show. And he said, that's more a testament of what Division Three is all about. And you and I have seen many a D1 come down to D3 and yeah. welcomed into the surprise that D3 isn't as cupcake as you think it is yeah I mean, if you come here as a division one transfer to a division three school just know that you still have to put in the work you're not going to come in here and dominate it like it's your frat leagues your frat buddies uh, intramural league or something like right. that. you know you got to come in you got to do the work you got to practice you got to work you still got to work on your game because you know, these guys you're going to face people who had D1 opportunities, maybe not D1 scholarship offers, or or maybe it's preferred walk-on status, or someone who might have gone to a scholarship school somewhere but wanted to be in a position where you can still be a, a whole well-rounded student athlete, or you could uh, you know work for the student newspaper, or be in the school musical, or mm-hmm. run for office, or have an internship, or all go abroad, all of those other things that the regular college student experience is all about. You could do that at Division Three, but if you want to live up to your potential as a D1 player coming to Division Three, you still got to work your butt off because this is not easy. Well, Sydney Moss was all rookie, uh, a rookie of the year at the SEC transfers okay, because she right? wanted a smaller. I've, I've heard of the SEC. I think she's not bad. Florida wasn't a bad program at all. Uh, she wanted a smaller school. She didn't like the D1 atmosphere. She wanted to be closer to home. 
Uh, Stephanie Tarbert for St Stevenson was at, at UMBC, was America East Rookie of the Year, transfers to Stevenson. You know why she transferred to Stevenson? It wasn't because of basketball. It's because she wanted to be a nursing student, mm -hmm. and UMBC doesn't have a nursing program. So there's other decisions. And by the way, on the flip side of that, there are D3 student athletes who transfer up to D1, maybe for the wrong reasons, but there's guys like Duncan Robinson who do it and are going to surprise some people when he gets to play next year. So, yeah. And by the way, here's the other one really quick. They say about 12% of high school student athletes end up playing in college. We're not talking D1. We're not talking. D we're talking all of college. D1, yeah. two, and three. So, whether you're at D1 basketball or D3 basketball, you're still playing against essentially the cream of the high school crop. Yeah, the best 12% of all the high school players. And so at Division Three, you know, we've got the largest pool out yeah. of those divisions. There's more Division Three basketball players than there are D2 or D1. So, uh, you know, there's uh, you're still talking about, you know, the second 10th percentile, like the 80th percentile or something like that of all high school basketball players are what's taking the floor on our gym floors night after night. And of course, there's some guys who turn down D1 offers because they'd rather do something else, yeah. be students or come to the D3 because they, they got a chance to compete. Yeah, or play two sports, right? Absolutely. You know, wants to play uh, football and basketball or football and baseball or so soccer or whatever. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. absolutely. This is. This is the place for you. So congratulations to the All-Americans. When we come back, we'll get that report from Gordon Mann to discuss what's going on up there in Holland and find out who won. In the meantime, you're Grand watching. Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, you're right. I've done that a few times this year. Got it completely <laughs> confused. It is Grand Rapids. When we come back, he'll get us an idea of what happened, we hope. Um, and Calvin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a break. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Viewers like you and, of course, the city of Salem. We'll be back with more Hoops Hope right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville's finale show here at the Salem Civic Center. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We've been talking plenty about Stevens Point's national championship. If you want to follow us on Twitter, do so at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. As we said, we've been talking a lot about Stevens Point, but that wasn't the only national championship ongoing this weekend. Of course, up at Calvin and the DeVos Center, you had four teams combined with only two losses. 
And in the championship game, for the first time ever, it was two undefeated teams. In number one, Thomas Moore, versus number three, George Fox. Of course, it ended up being Thomas Moore and Sidney Moss with a national championship. Our Gordon Mann recaps that from Grand Rapids, Michigan for us. Gordon. With a special report for Hoopsville from Grand Rapids, Michigan, the 2015 Women's Division III basketball season is done. And the first meeting of undefeated teams ever in the national championship game on the women's side is in the books. And Thomas Moore College for the third season in a row gives us an undefeated national champion as the Saints roll over George Fox today, 83-63. to Joined by Adam Turr from D3Hoops.com and D3Sports. And, and Adam, uh, I thought coming into this game that the real question that would determine the winner would be how Thomas Moore handled the George Fox press full court, and the answer was pretty well. Yeah, absolutely, and and they were excited to face it after the last two games against St. Thomas and then last night against Tufts. Teams that like to slow it down the pace, real grind, grind them out kind of games. Thomas Moore wants to get up and go. They want to run. They want to get up and down the court, and they want to put pressure on you. Teams don't press them because this is what happens when you try to press Thomas Moore. Right. Yeah, we, well, we saw what happened tonight is Abby Owings, a freshman point guard uh, who we've had a chance to talk to during the week. Uh, you know, her final line tonight, 17 points. She hit the three that put the game away with about six minutes to play, putting Thomas Moore up uh, 25, three assists, five turnovers. And, and, you know, that's not a great ratio, but five turnovers against a team that's going to try and force 25-30. Jeff Hans, the head coach for Thomas Moore, joked in the press conference, he said, I said a special prayer last night that we wouldn't turn it over 30 times. And he didn't. Or they didn't. They turned it over 24. But really, Owings was a one-person press breaker, low to the ground, quickly up the court, no hesitation. And George Fox's press, which is predicated on traps and help, you can't help when someone's running that fast. And I think what the difference was is Thomas Moore did get 18 fast break points out of it, which is to be expected when you're a trapping, pressing team. Most points you give up are going to be in the fast break. But really what the difference was, I thought, was when Thomas Moore did get into their half-court offense, they were unstoppable. Uh, Sydney Moss did a great job of not settling for outside jump shots and penetrating into the lane. Uh, when she penetrated, the George Fox defenders collapsed on her. She would drop it off for wide open layups. Alexa Santa Maria had 10 points in the first half, uh, finished with 14, didn't miss a shot all night. Right. Nikki Kiernan added 16 points in 16 minutes. Uh, almost every shot those two took was from within two feet. Easy, wide open layups. It was all created by the penetration of Moss. Yeah, if on the other side for George Fox, a rough shooting night for the Bruins in the first half. They shot better in the second half, but they started the half or started the game shooting 25%. They were two of six from the free throw line. Uh, we asked them during the or I asked them in the post game if, if there was a fatigue factor, uh, you know, not flat in the national championship game. The second half they played better. They shot 50%. They got more shots around the rim. Uh, but you know, at that point they were down 12, and you know Thomas Moore was never really threatened in the second half. It was eight. It was an eight-point deficit for George Fox for about 10 seconds before Olivia Hoover hit a three-pointer and put it back to double digits. And, you know, I think one of the things that, that surprised me is that George Fox struggled to shoot the ball. And that, that's, that's partially a credit to the fact that Thomas Moore, who you talk about obviously on an offensive and you talk about Sidney Moss a lot, a very good and very tough defensive team. They rebounded George Fox, who makes a living off the glass, by 15 tonight. Yeah, George Fox was not getting any offensive rebounds tonight. I'm not sure what the, the final tally on that. They finished with 12 offensive rebounds. 
Um, only 31 total. Thomas Moore had 46 rebounds, 36 defensive, I think, was the key. Uh, they were keeping him off the glass. Moss was attacking the, the boards. And one key uh, game plan adjustment that they made prior to the game, uh, similar to last night against Tufts, was they brought Moss down and had her defend the post. And that really right. caused problems, uh, especially for Justine Benner, uh, who really struggled in the first half. She got going in the second half, but by then it was too little too late. Yeah, Lauren Codling, the other uh, all, or the All-American for George Fox today, she had four points in the first five minutes. She didn't score another point until there was five minutes to play. Uh, she finished her line tonight, seven, seven points, 12 rebounds, four assists, five turnovers, two blocks, and four steals. So you get a sense for uh, how versatile she is. But really what shut her down is when Moss matched up with her on the post they didn't even try and go to her anymore. So you, if, if not if not actual plays, just the psychological advantage of, of Sidney Moss kind of forced George Fox to go the other way. Moss tonight, 19 points, 16 rebounds, giving her 180, 196, I think, in the tournament. Was that right? 197 in the tournament. So that's that's a new record for Division Three. She already had broken it last night. Uh, she broke it in five games. Chelsea Schwears uh, had the record in in six games for Christopher Newport. Uh, we believe it's the it's the record at any level of of NCAA college basketball. We're not sure about D two men, uh, but we think it is. We're pretty sure it is for D one men and for D and for for D one women. Uh, but but nevertheless, obviously a tremendous tournament. Uh, and and Moss said it was her first her first uh, triple double uh, of her uh, basketball playing career either at Kentucky or, in, or I'm sorry at Florida or at uh, in high school um, you know I, I thought tonight for Moss you saw everything that made her you know the player of the year she she hit threes she rebounded when she needed to she had 10 boards in the first half and a lot of those points but for Santa Maria and Kiernan were set up by wide open passes either off of Moss or Owings and uh, you know break the press get it right to the right to the rim for easy looks yeah, and we've seen her in some games, you know, not for a whole game, but maybe for a half here or there where, where the offense struggles, the offense stagnates, and she kind of wants to float around the perimeter, get the ball in her hands at the top of the key, and then try to create a jump shot. Uh, I thought she was a lot more aggressive tonight. We've seen it from her in the second half of some games in this tournament where her team gets behind or it's a close game, and then she'll make the decision to attack the rim more. I thought tonight she did a great job of getting to the basket, uh, you know, creating for her teammates and really being the aggressor and not settling for jump shots. And Thomas more they hit many many huge threes as they always do but they weren't settling for that tonight and they really did a good job of you know attacking George Fox's defense uh, not just in the full court but also in the half court and once they built up that big lead that the press I mean the Bruins stuck with the press. They didn't deviate right. from what they do. That's who they are. That's how they got here. That's how they won 32 games in a row, and they weren't going to switch away from that. But looking back, I, I don't know if it really helped to yeah. stay with it. Yeah, George Fox finished with uh, with 32 points in the paint, 10 points off the fast break. They're outscored 18-10 to 10 off the fast break. Uh, outscored off the bench uh, by Thomas Moore, who obviously it, it's very easy to focus on, on Sidney Moss, but the Saints reserves outscored George Fox's reserves 26 to 16 tonight, uh, and really just a complete effort for for Thomas Moore in winning 33, uh, winning their 33 third game in a row. You know, broadening in this out to a little bit, you've had a chance to watch the Thomas Moore community really rally behind this. I know you, you, the president came up and and you know, shook hands with you before the game. Terry Connor, the athletic director, we've we've talked to him, uh, and the students. You know, there were more students, and and they were more colorfully attired, including some of the former uh, women's basketball players at Thomas Moore. And you just got a sense what a special moment it was for them as a school, just like it was for Fairleigh Dickinson last year when they won their first championship in a team sport. You really see the communities rally around when they have that when they have those tournament runs. 
Uh, absolutely. It's been exciting. I know you made it out to some games in Crestview Hills, Kentucky to see what the home atmosphere is like just to give yeah. you the, the full effect of how crazy these fans are for their team and for their program. It's the first team championship for Thomas Moore in any sport, uh, which is a huge deal. Right. Um, I've already seen they're already planning a welcome back party tomorrow afternoon uh, to welcome the team back into town. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And they traveled. That, that's what impressed me is they brought a busload of students up on Friday for the Final Four game, bust them back home after the game, <laughs> then bust them back, plus they added about 20 more people signed so that's up. about 24 hours of... Yeah, it's 24 hours of bus rides in two days. They were not fatigued in the least. <laughs> they were, uh, and I said this uh, in one of my stories tonight, was I think Thomas Moore fans probably made about 70% of the crowd and about 90% of the noise. Yeah. And it was funny, in the in the post-game press conference, George Fox's players even admitted, and they struggled uh, in the first half uh, shooting free throws in the direction of Thomas Moore's student section. Uh, they were three for nine from the line, and they admitted in the post-game that they, they were affected by it. They were affected by the noise. Uh you know, where does this, we go from here? Uh, Thomas Moore graduates just two seniors, uh, Sydney Wainscott and uh, backup guard Stephanie Krusling. Uh Sydney Moss will be back. Uh, Nikki Kiernan will have another year of experience in the post. Abby Owings showed that she can play with yeah. any level of yeah. uh, of pressure against her. Um, she'll be even better as a sophomore. Uh, I think this team is going to be a favorite going to next year. I think oh, yeah. that's a pretty yeah. fair assessment. <laughs> uh, you bring back the player of the year, coach of the year, and, and if right several experienced starters and bench players. Um, yeah, uh, expectations are going to be high. On the other side for George Fox, they graduate uh, Lauren Codling, who played here, uh, played for the Bruins for two years, Jamie Morris, who played there for four years, uh, and Daisha Heckendorf, who graduated. There might be some other seniors, but those were the key contributors. They bring back a fair amount, too. Uh, Justine Benner, who really emerged uh, as, a, as, a, as kind of their go-to player, even when the Bruins were struggling down the stretch and had I think she had double-figure scoring in all six of the of the games for them. Uh, Sammy uh, Nuali, I'm going to pronounce it. I probably got that uh, got that wrong, but uh, she played very well tonight. She had 13 points. She'll be back next year. And George Fox always uh, one of those programs that kind of reloads with with a lot of players that uh, you know that that play a very similar style. Athletic wings. If you look down their roster, it's everybody's listed as a wing. It's either guard wing or forward wing, and it's a uh, it's a, it's a telling uh, a telling roster stat for them uh, final thoughts here from Grand Rapids I don't know if this is your first time to Van Nord uh, the arena here which was you have know, the, the trophies from some of Calvin's national championships in behind us uh, you know my first time here nicest facility in division three hope is second and I don't know who's third but it's a significant distance I think not necessarily atmosphere I think the smaller gyms like the Connor Convocation Center you get more noise and, and you can feel more energy but just in terms of just sheer impressiveness of the facility this is pretty tough to beat. Oh this is great when I walked in the first thing I said is this does not look or feel like Division 3 it actually reminds me of uh, Division 1 program Xavier University in my hometown of Cincinnati Ohio very very similar uh, in the layout very similar in the amenities uh, very very nice facility uh, hoping to be back here in two years for the, yeah, the next right. time they host the uh, women's championship. Uh, one other thing I would love to point out, and, and I cover uh, the Stag Bowl in Salem, Virginia for D3Football.com every year, and uh, as I'm sure you know, you know what teams to expect, you know what colors to expect, you know what fans to expect, and one thing, Gordon, you mentioned was how exciting it is to see a team and a program win its first championship, and that's something that I've never seen right. because I cover football, seen Union, I've seen Mount Union and Wisconsin yeah. Whitewater, yeah. which gets a little stale, yeah. uh, but this was exciting, and you've seen it, you saw it just last year. Uh, it's exciting to see a 
community come together in a program, you know, experience that for the first time when, you know, it's it's a goal rather than an expectation. And to see it come to fruition like this, uh, it's a pretty fun moment. Well, wrapping things up, closing uh, kind of bookkeeping notes for you all. Tournament team, obviously, Sidney Moss was the most outstanding player. Abby Owings, uh, joined by Justine Benner. Melissa Toby of Montclair State, who became the 15th player in women's Division Three basketball history to have 1,000 uh, rebounds and 2,000 points. She did that with about three minutes to play in the, ch- in the third place game against Tufts. And then Michaela North, the sophomore from Tufts. It's been a great season of women's Division Three basketball. Sydney Moss, Abby Owings, and Jeff Hands, all with a lot to celebrate along with all their Saints teammates. Thomas Moore College, first time ever, national champs. For Adam Turr, this is Gordon Mand. Back to Dave McHugh with more Hoopsville. Thanks, Gordon. We appreciate you taking the time to provide that report. And, of course, congratulations once again to Thomas Moore, Sidney Moss, of course, the rest of that women's basketball team. Sidney Moss, of course, being the National Player of the Year. Congratulations to her. We're going to wrap up and put a bow on the 2014-15 season. When we get back, if you'd like to interact with us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hoops were presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, in part by the city of Salem, and of course, viewers like you have been so kind to donate some of your money to help us continue our efforts at Hoopsville. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division Three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back. This is Gordon Mann with the coverage of the 2015 Division III Women's Basketball Championship. Well, every year we do our All-Americans and our Player of the Year selections, and sometimes it's very difficult. You have to pour through a lot of stats. You have to look at uh, how players participate in the postseason. Sometimes it's not hard at all, and this year was one of those times uh, in which Sydney Moss was a very easy selection for us, second time in a row uh, that she is our National Player of the Year, uh, and a, a kind of a unique journey from last year's award to this year's award. So, First, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Second, you know, I, I think this year's story sort of starts with the end of last year. You, you, you're playing at Whitman in the Elite Eight, uh, and you, you get hurt. What specifically first, what was the injury? Yeah, um, I tore my ACL in my right knee and a little bit of meniscus. Okay. And had you had an injury like that 
in high school or was that a recurring injury or first time? No, this is the first time. Um, I've had a few, you know, ankle tweaks, but other than that, that was, you know, a big, big injury. Yeah. And so then what, what's the, what is the rehabilitation process? I imagine there's some surgery in there and then what? Yeah. Um, surgery and then, you know, just lay in bed. Um, there's a thing called a CPM machine where it kind of bends your knee for you. Um, you know, trying to, uh, build the quad and calf muscle back. Uh, it was tough, but, you know, I had, um, you know, Katie Kitchens tore her knee and Devin Beasley tore hers. Um, so they kind of guided me through it a little bit. Um, and then just did rehab for, what was it, six months before I got back. And then I did some after I got back uh, to playing. So, Coach, what's your role during the rehab process? Uh, push, 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 push. Um, you know, and it wasn't real hard. Because Sydney's a very motivated uh, young lady, and she wanted to get back. She wanted to compete for Thomas Moore again this year. And, you know, so she knew that she had to work hard, and she was actually cleared about a week, probably a week before practice started. Um, so to keep her on schedule, it was just checking in every day, just say, hey, how's rehab? You know, you do anything extra? What, what's going on? And, and she did it, you know, because, again, she wanted to be – to be able to have a, the chance to put herself in this position. And um, so it's it, – it's made her – I mean, she's went through it, you know, and um, she'll tell you it's probably one of the hardest things that she's ever had to do uh, because it, I've never experienced it, but we've had players experience it, and it is a difficult thing to do, and it's just – it's very unfortunate for everybody that, that has that happen to them. And, uh, but, you know, she's, she's back where she wants to be, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a big credit to Sydney Moss. Sydney, did they give you a, a time frame when you got hurt? Did they say, you know, some, some injuries – Obviously, it doesn't apply here, but think of like a Tommy John surgery. They're like, oh, you're out for 12 months. Did they give you that sort of time frame? Um, they actually said that, um, you know, recent researches kind of said around nine months, but they okay. said they release you at six. Um, but they also said nothing really to rush back to. I mean, we okay. practiced for a month. Right. Um, so he released me to practice. Um, he kind of cut down some, my doctor kind of cut down some, or he had some restrictions for me, um, like, you know, not no contact or no full court contact and, and stuff like that. But I think that lasted probably, say, less than a week, I think. And then I was just like, okay, I can't, you know, and I started doing everything full. So, At what point did you say, and, and maybe it was a coach's decision, maybe it was yours or a joint, did you say, when I come back, I'm going to have to play a different style of basketball or I'm going to have to play a different position because you basically, you move to the wing now and you mm -hmm. – you look more like a guard in terms of the way you play than you do a forward. Right. Um, I think coach kind of just called me to his office and, you know, I was kind of nervous. I was like, what, what does he want me in there for? Um, and he said that, you know, it'd be better for me for my future and, um, you know, the team to move me to a guard. Um, you know, I played a little guard at Flor a little bit of guard at Florida. Um, and then we had some injuries down there, so I moved to, you know, 3-4, a little bit of post. And then I came here last year, you know, paid strictly post just for injuries as well. Um, and then this year he said, you know, try to try to play a guard. It might be better for the knee or, you know, try to get you back into playing uh, how you were before, before you hurt your knee. Now you're at, you know, we're talking – about Sydney a lot here, but you've got lots of other pieces that you're pulling together. You're adding Sam, you're adding Nikki. You probably haven't seen them yet. It's a, it's a, there are a lot of new pieces going around that. Um, how do you make, how do you make those pieces fit? How do you, is, is this Sydney moves cause she has to for her knee or were there other reasons because there were players that you thought would slot better in a starting lineup with her? Uh, 
little bit of both, you know, for, for Sydney and, and what she wants to accomplish, what her goals are. You know, I think she needed to get out there. And in our style, she's able to, even last year, she was able to play out on the perimeter some, but not full-time, not like it was this year. So, you know, we want to get, get her out there so she can work on those skills, continue to develop that part of it. And then, yeah, the pieces, the fre- Nikki Kieran in, incoming freshman, Sam Cady transferring in, Kaylee Bush transferring in, um, some other post players, Kirsten Paul that was injured last year, healthy now. You know, it just helped our post depth with uh, Alexa returning. And so we just – it was like for people to play, you know, and for the best thing for the team, let's put her out on a perimeter and, and see. And, you know, it's always an experiment, you know, all year long. So we could always move her back inside if we need to. And, I mean, even here in the tournament, we've put her down low to take – I mean, trying to take advantage of mismatches. And that's what it's – that's what we try to do. So she's been inside a little bit more probably last four games – you know, this season than what she was all year long. Um, but but she's still able to go out and, and make threes, you know, attack the basket and, and create good things for herself or her t- teammates. How, how how much has the switch in position helped you physically? I mean, you've you played a you play a fair amount of lopsided games where you can, you know, you can limit your minutes that way. Has playing on the wing reduced your wear and tear any or just in a different way? Um <laughs> uh yeah, a little bit. I think just I mean, usually as a post player, you go set the screen or you right. just kind of sag back and right. kind of read where the guards are going. Um, you know, as if you're a guard guarding a guard, you, right. uh, you know, have to get through the screen or you get smacked with a screen, stuff like that. So it's a little bit of wear and tear, but, um, you know, you just got to push through it. <laughs> Sydney, you've had some moments in the tournament. Uh, I've seen some of the games, not all of them in person, but you had a moment where, or, or a time span where you're tied with Eastern Mennonite, and then you take over and score something like 20 of the next 25 points. You start the Wash U game, you score the first 18 points. Um, you know, actually, the scoring in the St. Thomas game was a little more balanced all throughout. But you have the ability, obviously, to score from almost any angle. You can shoot the three. You have that post background. Mentally, do you say to yourself, this is how I know when I need to take over? I mean, is, is there that kind of conscious thought where, okay, we're struggling here, or, or, or you just deter- decide, okay, I'm just not letting us lose. I'm taking over, and I'm, you know, I'm going to assert myself. Right. Um, I think as a team, we, we don't like to lose. Um, sure. So I think at, at some point, I think we all kind of look at each other like, all right, it's time to, you know, turn it on. Um, you know, the, the beginning of uh, – I want to say Eastern Mennonite game, uh, drove in, kicked it out to Abby, I think, and she had a three to start the half, or I can't remember what game it was, but I think we kind of just clicked, like, okay, it's kind of time to turn it on. So I think, um, I mean, if I can score, it's nice, but if not, you know, I try to find some teammates that are open. I think we all, we all kind of get that look in our eyes, like, okay, it's time to, time to step it up. Sydney's being very modest, and that's, that's fine, but you have a player here who scores over 30 points per game in the tournament. Sydney, as we're recording this, is six points away from, I don't know if you knew this, but six points away from the single, from the, from the tournament record. If you didn't, now you know. Not that there's any pressure to come out and hit three threes right away, although that'd be pretty cool. Uh, do you, as a coach, when you have that special kind of ultimate weapon, is there a point in the game where you say to yourself or you say to Sydney, okay, time to let her, you know, time for her to take over? She's a smart player, number one, um, and she knows. And that's, you know, really the Wash U game was – very unlikes it. Usually, she likes to get her teammates involved, so she's passing, um, and then all of a sudden, now she'll she'll say, "Okay, that's enough. It's time for me to take over and and, and score, you know, or make a pass for a layup, you know." But uh, 
well, her, for her to come out and hit the score of first 18 was very uncharacteristic. And, uh, you know, That's pretty cool, but, it, uh, <laughs> but you know, but you know what, uh, everything was in the flow of the offense, right? Everything was in the flow of what we're doing. So you can't complain about it. And usually do I have to say anything to her? No. Yeah. I mean, she, she knows. That's why I said she's a smart player. She understands it. And it is, these guys don't like to lose. I mean, they're so darn competitive that, um, I mean, in practice, they, they get after each other. It's, you know, they yell at each other for having nails too long because they don't want scratches all over themselves. So, no, she she keeps hers cut. Uh, but they, you know, they just – they don't like losing. And so, they she knows. Sydney Wainscott, they, they all know. Steph, they all know that, okay, let's go to Sid for a little bit. And then Sid gets on one of those rolls. And it's just keep feeding her. Keep feeding her. And then, the, you know, they start double-teaming her. Double teaming her. Sid's going to find somebody. You know, you can't – you can't stop all of them, and that's how that's what she says. She trusts her teammates to make plays just like she is, you know, and that, that's the big thing about her. Last question, one for each of you. Sydney, do you have a favorite game this year or a moment where you've taken over and you said, you know, that was really cool for that five-minute, ten-minute stretch? You've had a bunch where you've scored lots of points. You have a bunch where you've had a, a lot of rebounds or a lot of assists, which if, you, if you're kind of reevaluating yourself, what was your best game? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there there's a favorite game. I, I think they're all they're all pretty fun. Uh I think we just have fun as a team out there. Um we enjoy it. I mean, I think I went behind the back to KP and she missed it. It hit all I mean, it was like right to her hands, yeah. hit off her knee, rolled out of bounds, and I was like, I'm not passing it to you anymore. You know, just joking around. Well then a few plays later I went behind the back to Abby. She went up for a layup, and it was hanging on the rim forever, and it finally went in. And we were, I mean, we just joked about that for, for a while. Um, so I think just, you know, games like that where we, ha- we can have fun and, you know, make little jokes like that is, is the best part of the games, I guess. Coach, what's your favorite Sydney Moss moment of 2015? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them, you know, and it's, it's a lot of scoring, but it's a lot of, of pass, the long passes, um, you know, passes to teammates through the lane that they're diving and catching. I, I probably I, the one to get us here to the Final Four probably is the best one. Um, the beginning of St. Thomas, you know, being down three, she comes out and hits the three. A couple other things happen. She gets an and one, you know, and just watching the emotion and the excitement of her and her teammates on the floor and on the bench when that happens, and then the pass to Alexa. Uh, cutting down the lane at a, a key time in the second half, just under probably about eight minutes left to go, I think. And, uh, you know, Alexa finishing and just seeing everybody look at each other and smile and, and, and know. You know, it's because there, there's so many things that she can do. Um, you know, it's, just, it's, it's fun to watch her play. You know, it's fun to coach her because she makes everybody around her better. There's no doubt about it. Well, she is the National Player of the Year, Sydney Moss. With more from Grand Rapids, this is Gordon Mann. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. 
Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, and we are putting a bow on the season from our Hoopsville studios. This show was completely pre-taped. We hope you don't mind, but with all the elements that we conducted in Salem and, of course, getting home, we figured we might as well put a nice bow on it. It does mean the show came out a little later than planned. We apologize for that, but we hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. I want to thank Pat Coleman for his help. I want to thank Gordon Mann and Adam Turr for their help with today's show. I also want to thank our guests, Sidney Moss and Jeff Hollins, who spoke with Gordon Mann. I also want to thank Bob Semling and Austin Riff as well. What a season. Now, certainly on the women's side, we had a lot of undefeated teams left, four of them to be exact, to made their way through the tournament, and two of them faced off for the first time ever in women's basketball for a national title. On the men's side, it was parity in its best example. 27-5, and five, Stevens Point wins, handing Augustana its fifth loss of the season, who also finished with an identical 27-5. and five. Not to brag, but I've never had this happen before. On my women's bracket, I picked, predicted four of the eight remaining, and then all four of the final fours, the correct championship game, and the correct winner. And yet I did not win the bracketology. Because someone picked all eight of the final eight. All four of the final four. The championship game and the correct winner. Hats off to him. On the men's side, I had three of the four correct. But you had to feel that it was that was where my luck was going to end. And it did. Augustana beating Babson eliminated anybody that I had in the national championship game. But I still finished a respectful 24th. Again, this stuff doesn't happen to me if anyone knows me. It's kind of weird that in a year of parity on the men's side, the predictions can be <clears throat> almost chalk most of the rest of the season. So I want to thank the chalk for helping me, I guess. Nonetheless, a fourth national title for Stevens Point while Thomas Moore wins one more. It was an incredible year of basketball, to say the least. And we hope it will be another incredible year next year. you got to figure Thomas Moore will be the number one preseason pick. After you was a preseason pick last year, after coming off an undefeated season, Thomas Moore under Sidney Moss have lost one game. Period. They have one more season with Sidney Moss. We'll see how long they can run, if they can repeat as national champs. On the men's side... I think Augustana may be the preseason number one. They bring back that entire starting unit and most of the team from this year's. I will say I think it may be interesting whether Gray Giovanni will be head coach. I heard some interesting rumblings while in Salem. Nothing we will put on paper or on the air as of now, but 
We may speculate in short period of time on our Twitter account, which means you can always follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville. Of course, if you have any show-related questions, you can hashtag us Hoopsville. You can email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. As I was saying, I think Augustana will be the preseason number one. Stevens Point loses yet another great core of players. Four of that starting five graduate. Richie, I think. I say that now, and of course, get a little bit nervous that maybe I missed somebody. We'll double check that as we speak. Of course, Pelkoffer returns, <clears throat> which will be certainly important for them. And they got some great role players on the flo- on the on the bench. Sean McGann will most likely reemerge, but Austin Riff, Justin Lutz. Joe Ritchie and Alex Richard graduate. That's a pretty good group of four there. As I mentioned, Pelkoffer McGann return. You never know who's on that bench. That may make a difference next year. So we'll we'll be careful with the pointers. Hats off to Bob Semling and his crew there. To say the least, they were impressive. I want to thank Brian Bosch and uh, Webstream for allowing me to jump on board the broadcast of the semifinals and All-Star Game. Speaking of the All-Star Game, fun as always, Victor Lejudai from Albertus Magnus put on a show with 31 points, getting the most outstanding player honor. But Jared Jerry Wickstead played well. I mean, everybody played well, to be honest with you. It was a fun game. East tried to get back after a huge deficit, but could not. It was fun to call that game. And then listening to the student-athletes, we had come over and do interviews with us. We all know this in Division Three, but most of them are all well-spoken and certainly know what they're talking about. And to say the least, and they all have great backstories, and to say the least, all 18 had those. By the way, we should also congratulate the Jostens Awards uh, winners. I got a chance to talk to them. You'll get to see that in the upcoming YD3 show, which we'll have out in the next week or so. George Bugarinovich from Johns Hopkins and Jess Reinhardt from Eastern Mennonite. Got the chance to interview them. It was a terrific conversation. We'll look forward to putting that show together here in the near future. It was a terrific season, ladies and gentlemen. It certainly was. What will change next year? Who knows? We may have some rule changes. There's been a lot of discussion about the men's shot clock going to 30. I'd like to see it happen. We'll see if it actually does happen. It was tested out in the NIT. We'll see how everybody felt about it. Personally, my thought is, why not? Some people say it may produce bad shooting because they're going to be rushed in 30 seconds. To be honest with you, if you have an offense that takes 20 seconds to run, then maybe you need to reevaluate your offense. But I definitely think it would up scoring, and certainly the NCAA is frustrated and coaches with a lack of scoring to keep it interesting, though that certainly is a tip of the hat to defenses. But if you could get rid of five seconds per possession, let's argue there's 100 possessions a game. That's 500 seconds. And granted, 100 possessions a game is probably a bit of an exaggeration. But still... Pretty impressive. You 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 increase the number of possessions in the game exponentially. And that will improve the game as well. So I hope they 
consider doing that and put that in place. Of course, remember, next year the, the, the basketball season can start on November 13th if teams choose. Apparently a lot of coaches don't know that, and some have said their co uh, conferences haven't told them. But it was approved in January. Granted, it would have been nice if it had been approved sooner. That's how the system works. So if a team wants to play on November 13th on Friday, they can. Basic rule is if the 15th starts on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they can start on Friday. I don't know about Tuesday. I can't remember if Tuesday's in the mix there as well. I've kind of drawn blank. But at least Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they'll be able to start on the previous Friday. So this case, since Sunday's the 15th is a Sunday, they'll be able to play on Friday the 13th. I don't know if that's a good omen or not, but I'm just saying. And now to Salem. Another terrific job by everybody involved, from Kerry Harvey Cutter to John Saunders. Of course, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and Brad Banks and J.J. Nekoloff and Molly did a terrific job. As I said earlier, upping the game yet again. I was honored yet again to take part in the championship dinner, doing a Q&A with the players and coaches. They did the dinner on the court, which was significant. Nice step up. The what they did for the festivity of it all was incredible. The extra lighting, the dimming of the lights for starting lineups, the smoke and lighting for teams running out of their tunnels. It all was terrific and terrifically done by everybody involved. And that gets to the question, could every, anybody take the bid away from Salem? I think there's always been a chance that Salem could lose the men's basketball bid, and I... I think anybody would be crazy if they didn't think that they thought they were going to to Calvin when the last bidding cycle was up. So they actually went and bid on the women's basketball tournament as well, as did Calvin, as we know. The committee decided to stay with Salem, and Salem doesn't rest on its laurels. They continue to improve. I cannot imagine another school or another location or another arena getting the bid, and immediately hitting the level of pomp and circumstance, hospitality, knowing how to get everything done with as many, as little, as few hiccups as possible. And every year there's hiccups. You just don't know about them. In their first year that Salem does already, and Salem has now hosted 20 championship weekends, 19 trophies in men's basketball have been handed out. You'll remember one year was the Elite Eight Final Four and the two teams went on to Atlanta. That's a lot of experience, a lot of know-how, and it is going to be tough. And people can complain, but here's the deal. In baseball, it's the road to Omaha in Division One. In Division One, Division Three baseball, it's the road to Appleton. In Division Three basketball and Division Three football, men's basketball and football, it's the road to Salem. I can't see it changing. Will it? Possibly. But I just don't see it happening. What Salem does is tremendous. And by the way, their turnout was incredible. 3,100 people were at the championship game. That place seats, what, 5,000? That's one of the biggest crowds for a championship in a long time. 
So hats off to Salem. Hats off to the fans who came from Augustana, from Stevens Point, from Baps, and those were the three largest fan bases. And, of course, Virginia Wesleyan brought a good contingent themselves. They made that special. And clearly more fans showed up for the championship once they knew their team was in it, which is even more impressive, considering the travel. <laughs> so hats off to everybody involved. Tremendous season. Be putting my top 25 together. I'll tell you this much. I've thought seriously about who my top four will be. I don't think I... I'll give you a hint. I don't think I'd take a, a slam dunk on the final four teams being my final four. Or my top four. I got to look at it. But I got one team in particular, and it may not be the one you think it is, who I might not keep in my, or put in my top four. I've got my reasons, but I want to look it over more. But uh, that top 25 should come out on Monday the 23rd, the final top 25 of the season. You know this. It'll be unanimous number one for Steven, Stevens Point on the women's side, or men's side, <laughs> sorry, and then the unanimous number one on the women's side in Thomas Moore. You know that much. <clears throat> we'll see how the rest of it goes after that. I want to thank you all for tuning into this show throughout the season. We certainly got more fans watching us this year, apparently more coaches and players as well from everything I gathered in Salem. And we got plenty of you who came up and said something nice to us while we were in Salem as well. We also got a, a number of terrific emails. We appreciate it. We also appreciate the money you put forth to this programming. We really appreciate that. We will see what we can do next year. Yeah, one thing we'll fix on our set is the lighting. As you see, one of my lights came loose. We'll be fixing that. We'll dress up the set a little bit more. We've been promised some more jerseys from people. We'll look forward to seeing them when they arrive. In the meantime, we will spend your money wisely and find out a trip or two for next year. In the meantime, I want to thank all of you for tuning in and enjoying this show as much as we enjoy putting it together for you. Again, you can always follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We may have some news even in the off season, so pay attention, and we'll keep you up to date. Men's Basketball Committee will be looking for a new chair. The Women's Basketball Committee, would I would assume it will not be. I think they like Dave Martin's work. But on the men's side, Jeff Burns and Steve Ulrich will step aside. We'll see who takes over, but I have a feeling we know who it is, but we have to wait till June. Congratulations to all the seniors in Division Three basketball who finished up their careers, whether it was on the note they thought it, they would or on a note they wish they hadn't. However, you served several years, up to four in Division Three, and we thank you for that and enjoyed watching you play. Again, you can get information on the Final Fours and the championship teams, the All-American teams, and plenty more. We even have links to highlights of the games at D3, or highlights of the championship games and semifinal games at D3Hoops.com. I want to thank everybody who's participated and helped us, the numerous coaches and SIDs who helped put guests on the show. I also want to thank, as always, those who contributed in other capacities, even regional reports. I'm afraid I might miss somebody, but just in case. Lenny Reich. 
Um, Rusty Egan, Bob Quillman, Howard Herman, Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, to name a few. Of course, the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their assistance with us and their encouragement of us as well. Of course, I also want to thank you again for your donations. Thank the City of Salem for their sponsorship as well. We will be back on the air next year ahead of November 13th. We suspect we'll hit our air the first time on November 12th. We continue to do one show a week for the opening two months, or a month and a half, and then go to two shows a week. Probably see that continue, but if that changes, we'll let you know. In the meantime, let me encourage you to watch the YD3 show. We'll be coming out with our latest edition in the next week or so, and every month after, if we can. It spotlights the student-athletes of Division Three, not necessarily for what they're doing on the court, but what they're doing off of the court. We certainly enjoy it, and we look forward to putting this show together that we're doing as we speak, and we will look forward to seeing you enjoy it as well. Once again, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Thank you for tuning in to Hoopsville. We greatly appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you missed any of the shows or any of the segments, you can watch them or listen to them. They are online for as long as we can keep them there. On YouTube for video and and on SoundCloud for audio. And iTunes as a podcast as well via SoundCloud. Thank you for tuning in. By the way, if you have any advertisers who might be interested in partaking in our show, send them our way. If you have a jersey or something else you want to decorate our set with, send it our way. You can email us for more information, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Thank you, everybody. Congratulations to Stevens Point and Thomas Moore. Terrific seasons, to say the least. National champions is an obvious statement, but congratulations to both teams on a terrific job well done. And with that, we close out the 2014-15 season with this thought. The best story in Division Three was Lauren Hill, who was still alive for the championships, and is still alive as we record this. And our Ohio Wesleyan number 22 jersey, signed by Lauren Hill, is over our shoulder to remind us there are important things, more important things than basketball. There are more important things. And Lauren Hill not only lived through the season, but she's still fighting. That freshman is the story of the year. Period. Nothing against Sidney Moss. And Thomas Moore. Nothing against Bob Semling and Stevens Point. Lauren Hill showed us what the true meaning of sport can be and what the true meaning of life is most definitely. God bless you, Lauren Hill. So happy you made it through the season. Can't wait to see how long you continue to fight. But I'll tell you this much. Mission accomplished. Have a good off season, everybody, and we'll see you back here next year.